All right, we are live. It is in the huddle. We will be here talking Zedarius, talking trades, talking the offseason. This is Climbing the Pocket, brought to you by Lake Monster. We got Jason, Eric, Miles, producer Dave. Let's go. We'll see you on the other side. Huddle Around as Climbing the Pocket Network presents Jason and the Boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings. What up, y'all? We are live. Happy Zadarius Day to all who celebrate. Before we get going, got to say what's up to Nick, Ryan, Brandon, Dan. There's Ryan again. Sean, Anna, and Daniel. All in the chat, all saying what's up. How y'all doing? Let's hop to it. It's in the huddle. We got the man, the myth, the legend, the good doctor, Eric Eager, my man. How you doing? How you been? Uh, I mean, the offseason has been crazy. I think uh, if the Vikings were a little bit more active, I might have been on last week. But I think I picked the right day to to to, to hop on here. That it was a good day uh, for the Vikings, uh, you know. So, uh, and I'm of course talking about the Sean Mannion uh, resigning. <laughs> sure, you were that that already impact, caused, that impact caused a lot moves. of last week. <laughs> and Miles, my man, how you doing? What up? Good. You know, you guys are here, so I'm good. Word. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Eric, it's been a minute. So, you know, when we get you in here, I got to I gotta save up all the things that I read on Twitter, Reddit, all the, 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 the folks being upset with, you know, analytics people, people who think they're smarter than the folks who are running teams and all of that. And so... Throughout this offseason, actually before really the offseason for the Vikings kicked off, there was maybe um, a feeling from folks on this network, uh, you know, smart people around the Vikings biosphere that, you know, maybe, you know, Quasey was going to come in. They'd strip this thing down to the studs. You know, the Vikings weren't really contenders. They would maybe have like a real rebuild and kind of see what happens, you know, building this team from the ground up, the way maybe we've seen in places like Cleveland, other things like that. And at the start of this offseason, the Vikings offseason felt a lot like a Rick and, and Mike sort of offseason. You know, we're going to move some money around with the vets who are already here. We signed Kirk to another extension that seems to give him all the leverage as we roll things into the future. And Vikings fans weren't really feeling it, weren't feeling good about things. But on the other side, you had some detractors maybe saying that, hey, look, this is Quasi coming in and showing all of you that maybe you don't know as much as you think you know about how a team should be built. Quasi's a smart guy. He's coming in. He's extended Kirk Cousins. They've created some cap space. Today, you got Zadarius coming in, bolstering that front seven for the Vikings. And the Vikings seem to be looking at this as a, hey, we're ready to contend in this upcoming football season. And uh, Eric, I, I'm looking for your take on all of these things, the Vikings offseason plans to date, and what appears to be the Vikings throwing the chips into the middle, saying like, hey, we're ready to contend. We're ready to mix it up. We're ready to play with the the, the big boy teams in the NFC based on you know, the moves we've made this offseason. Yeah, I think, um, you know, they're – there are reality. I, I think it's really frustrating if you are a fan of the team and a fan of Quesi Adolfo Mensa 
just because, and I think Sam Monson, who you know is my colleague at PFF, who who spent a year in Rochester, Minnesota, as a kid and as a, as a Vikings fan, you know, sort of was like, look, if we're if we're never going to, um, you know, if we're never going to um, rebuild now, when are we going to? Like, I, I think that's really the um, the I th- I think that's really the disappointing part, right? Was like, you know, this team has only ever rebuilt after a complete necessity, right? I think about the Mike Tice years. In 2002, they stripped it down. 2011, kind of had to, you know, after the Brett Favre fiasco. I think that's, you know, that's really the year that that, that the Wilfs look at and say, we never want this again. Um, and so I think there's some frustration there because I think that most of the fan base has grown weary of Kirk Cousins. I think, I think that, you know, even though Kirk Cousins has had a couple good years in a row, he kind of declined in the second half of last year. And, you know, there, there's questions about him at 34 years old, being able to run it back with a, a, a team full of players who are also getting older, uh, with the exception of Justin Jefferson. And then there's the the overwhelming evidence around the league of what is what is winning, which is, you know, the Herberts and the, um, the Joe Burrow is probably a better example um, you know, the Mahomes on his rookie deal, like all these teams loading the hell up on players, um, you know, when their quarterbacks on a rookie deal and then teams grabbing a truly elite quarterback to put around a great roster Rams and the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the last two Super Bowls. And I think there there's, I think that the being feeling like you're left out is probably like a little bit uh, of, you know, an issue here now, like there there's, in my opinion, there's obviously, you know, a harder, it's harder to do this job than, than, than I think a lot of us believe. And, and there are, there are a lot of pressures um, probably from ownership to try to be good. And I think that the NFC also being kind of a dumpster fire it is, it is not helping either the folks who wanted to rebuild, but um, yeah, that that's I I think it's kind of a, a milk toast off season. Um, and and even with this Darius Smith acquisition, I think Smith was a fantastic player for the Green Bay Packers. But he like Danell Hunter. I mean, those two guys played it less than 400 snaps last year. So it, it sort of shows you the kind of gambles you have to have to make if you are going to try to win with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. And, and on that front, so when we're looking at something like the signing of Azadarius, um, I know that you've you've mentioned in the past that coverage is is the supremely important thing if you're looking to win in in today's NFL. But it's a little bit easier to predict typically uh, when you're looking to sign uh, like in the front seven. Like you can probably project with a bit more certainty like who's going to be a, a good uh, pass rusher versus like who's going to be in, good in coverage like next season. Does that seem to be what the Vikings are banking on when you say they're making a gamble? Is that hope that, you know, injuries notwithstanding, like it's easier to project, you know, a great pass rusher versus, you know, spending top dollar and hoping that you get another great season in coverage from an elite cornerback? Well, I, the, yeah, exactly. And, and here's the thing, like the Vikings don't need one cornerback. They need three, you know, they need, they need three players who can play the position well. And so if you're going to go out there and use, you know, $10 million in this case of Zadarius Smith, and I know it was backloaded, um, you know, $14 million or so, and you're going to spend that on one cornerback, their defense is still going to stink, you know, because, you know, offenses can really attack the weak link. And we've seen that a number of times with Minnesota over the past three years. 
um, you know, especially when they've had injuries because their depth has been so poor um, that, you know, defenses can exploit the weak link. Uh, my guess is knowing, you know, Questy and, and sort of thinking about sort of how teams like Cincinnati have done it, for example, it is I think that they're probably going to draft like three or four cornerbacks in the in this draft. And hopefully, you know, three or three of the four work out and are competent players. Um, you know, that still doesn't cover up the fact that on a defensive line, they have no depth. And if Hunter or Smith or both got hurt, they would f- fall to a similar fate as last year in the pass rush. I think, I, I don't think it, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the underlying issues of what happened last season, and this could be very well due to the defensive line struggling, but Eric Hendricks had a really like a poor season last year. Um, and, and, you know, uh, you know, Jordan Hicks, the guy they acquired, had a pretty good season in 2021, but he's coming off of se- two seasons where he forced the Arizona Cardinals to draft Isaiah Simmons uh, and then Zayvon Collins in the first round to replace him for two consecutive years. So even like the linebacker core, it's still a gamble there that both Hicks and and Kendricks will be good players. Um, so and again, like I said, like, look, they've decided to go down this road with Cousins. They have to make these gambles. Um, but I'm just here to say that they are gambles. And like, if they all hit, I think that they could be a good team, especially in this conference where there aren't any, I mean, other than Green Bay, LA, um, and Tampa Bay, uh, you know, there aren't like, and maybe Dallas, there aren't like super elite teams in this division. And they're, it's not a, in this conference and there's not a deep, it's not a deep conference, right? If they, if they miss the playoffs again in 2022, they're going to miss the playoffs because teams like the Giants and the Eagles, and you know the Cardinals and kind of crappy teams like that end up making it. So Miles, like one of the things that you've said a lot throughout this offseason is that the rest of the teams in the NFC shouldn't really be influencing what the Vikings do, that the Vikings should be doing what's right for the Vikings for the long term. So like when Eric brings up the fact that like maybe it is a softer NFC this year, maybe it is an easier conference where like a few things maybe roll your way that you could be a team that that, you know, gets hot and, and does well and, and makes a run in the playoffs. Um, does that change at all? What do you think about, like, A, how the Vikings have approached this offseason, maybe how the Vikings should have approached this offseason? It doesn't for me, but I, I understand the, the, the approach, especially when you get, you get the pressure from ownership and leadership group within the Vikings to win now because they want to make sure that – ownership wants to make sure that it was Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman's fault more than anything. That's what it seems like. They want to, they want to feel good that they're paying two people not to coach and and work for them because that was the right move. I think that's what it feels like. Um, But at the same time, I think what we'd originally thought crazy was going to do with this, with his first year as a a first time GM, Kevin O'Connell, first time head coach was take a step back, make some, make some moves to free up cap space and free up yourself for the long term. Whereas, it, and, and, and then hope you can hit in 2023, 2024 with Quasi on a short-term contract, four years. Like, that's not, that's not a lot of time. Um, and hoping to prove that he can get an, an extension, you know, after the 2023, after the 2024 season. Well, in, in reality, it looks like what they're going to do is try to win now and next year. And maybe then Quasi can say, all right, you've seen what I can do for the first two years with your approach. Because at some point they're going to have to they're going to have to tear it down because they have too many aging expensive players. They've kicked too much of the money down the road. They, they've done, they just they've done like the old regime started it. They've continued in it now. So what they need to do now is bite that bullet and just go in go in with it. And if they can prove that they can make the playoffs, maybe 
back to back in, you know, two years in a row or what have you, if they can make a mini run or whatever, um, then Quasi can go to the Wilson and say, all right, you've seen what I could do with your, with your method. Let me take mine, but I need an extension. And that extension is going to be more of like a, a three or four year additional extension, not, you know, not this weak ass short term extension that uh, short term deal that gave him. So I think that's kind of the approach he's going to have to take now. And, but at the same time, kind of what Eric laid out, it just makes the margin for error that much smaller. We've seen it already the last two years. Like the Quasi and, and Kevin O'Connor are in the same position as, as Rick and Zim put themselves in. But now they have a no margin for error, but they also don't have the same experience that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman had. And so, yes, they still might improve. They might do like there. You see that I think the Smith signing was a good signing once they decided that Kirk was coming back, once they decided Daniil and all the other ones were coming back, making a move like Zadari Smith is a good one. But at, at some point, you, you just kind of wonder, can they do enough and create enough margin for error for themselves so that if they do get a key injury somewhere that they can kind of overcome it? Because what we've seen in the last couple of years is they haven't been able to overcome any of those, any of those small, even smaller type moves. And then, then you look at like the cornerback position that, that Eric talked about. They need three positions. They need three players at that position, not just one or two. And you can't just focus on the draft. But at the same time, what they shouldn't do is go overpay an older Patrick Peterson or someone like a Patrick Peterson to fill one spot. They should dole out, you know, that eight, nine million dollars for three cornerbacks, because at least then you can help give yourself a little bit more depth, a little bit more potential. And um, instead of just focusing on one player, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. But I like Patrick Peterson. I'm like flipping this into a Patrick Peterson combo, but like I like Patrick Peterson, but I'm I'm almost in a situation where they should decide to put spread that money out a little bit more and and go for quality or quantity too, along with you know hopefully with with some decent quantity or at least upside. So a sentiment that I've yeah, seen I now think- pop up in, in the uh, the comments a couple times here is that the Vikings are a good team. They had bad leadership, which is something that Mike, uh, then my Mike Miles was speaking to, uh, related to the Wilts. And then you know someone uh, Skull Vikes has just posted like, "Hey, we just signed a dynamic pass rusher, and like we're talking about like a rebuild or something like that." So I guess maybe let's level set, uh, Eric. Can could you maybe help us, uh, you know, speak to like where the Vikings stacked up if we're thinking about them from an analytic perspective, or like if we're looking at them, uh, yeah, from a more objective point of view, like. Where did the Vikings kind of rank or st- stack rank versus the rest of, of the league last year? And then, like, based on what they've done this offseason, how have they improved uh, relative to their competition? Well, yeah, and I and one thing I want to piggyback off of what Miles said, I just briefly, which is the Vikings. If the 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 look of this looks like the Vikings, and, and I think the fans bought into this, which is really interesting. I know our friend Flip when I was suggesting that Zimmer and Spielman should go two or three years ago, thought I was a complete idiot. And, and, and now, you know, everybody seems to think, Oh, Zimmer and Spielman were the number one issue with this team. No questions asked. And basically what the gamble is right now is that those two men can do. So essentially the systems are fine. The operators of the systems are better now and that should be able to squeak out an edge that that makes them better than previous years, right? Like they're they're not redoing the systems, right? Like Quesi Adolfo Mensa got got hired in January. He has not hired an analytics group, right? They're drafting players with the same scouts and the same people 
like doing all the reports and stuff that that Spielman was right. Like the, the you know, and that's twenty five percent of his first contract. So essentially, what what Vikings fans who are optimistic about the team are thinking is that those two men can can basically improve just by those two people being in the place of Spielman and Zimmer. I'm a, I, I believe in Questy because I, 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 I think he's very smart and I think he, I think he has good process. I think he's been around people that have good process. So I, I do believe he can just simply draft better than Spielman, but there's a ton of evidence to suggest that drafting well is not easy to do. The edges are extremely thin. And when you have just four years to do it, it it's going to be really hard to do. The other one that I'm I'm a little worried about is I, I'm not even we're we're always everybody's sort of believing that Kevin O'Connell is this great head coach, which like there's zero evidence to suggest that that's true yet. Like he and th- this is how fickle this can be. When Mike McCarthy joined the Packers in 2006, he was coming off of a season where he led the San Francisco 49ers to one of the worst offenses in football, and he became a pretty damn good coach for the Packers. Um, so this is not necessarily predictive, but it's, 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 it's interesting to talk about when, when Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator for the Washington football team, they were the one, one of the worst offenses in football. Um, you know, when he had his chance to coach Kirk cousins, Kirk cousins had one of his worst seasons and, you know, that immediately after Kevin O'Connell coached Kirk cousins as his offensive coordinator, the, Washington football team traded Kendall Fuller in a third round pick to Kansas City and paid Alex Smith a four year contract. So that that's my so just just to answer those questions about oh you know we just plug and play two people right there and it's going to be a lot better. I, I that's where some of my skepticism is now. To your question, Jason, like look the Vikings. Everybody talks about how many how many close games they lost. Um, and, and I, and that's certainly true. And I think if all of their, if they were like the Ravens and they finished 0 and 6 with five close losses, I, I'd be persuaded. And the Ravens did have close wins early in the year, but the Vikings, every one of their games were close, right? You flip a couple of their close wins and they're a four win team, you know, uh, you know, just as easily as you flip some of their close losses. Um, you know, they were, you know, very poor efficiently defensively on offense, you know, everybody talks about they led the league in three and outs. Um, their drive success was pretty poor relative to their play success. And, you know, they were basically a zero point differential team. Like they were exactly what their record says they were. Now, it came in a very frustrating way for Vikings fans. I can uh, I can understand that. But they weren't. I mean, you look back at Vikings history, there's like a Vikings team in like 1990 that had like a plus 80 point differential and finished six and 10. That's not who this team is. They're, they, they're an eight, nine team. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, they have a long climb and, and to the last thing I'll say, and this is why I know there was a, a commenter there. They're being very nice to me um, that compared this team to the Rams. The Rams had the most wins above replacement by non quarterbacks in the NFL in 2020. So when they brought Matthew Stafford onto that team, that was putting a quarterback onto a Super Bowl team. The Vikings had the 20, I believe, 21st most wins above replacement for non-quarterbacks last year. Their roster after the quarterback was bad, and it's been bad for two years. They have great players. They have, you know, Justin Jefferson. They have, you know, Dalvin Cook, although Dalvin Cook declined last year. Uh, Eric Hendricks declined last year. 
But I think one of the things that fandom causes someone to do is they, they don't look at the rest of the league. Every team has a player like Justin Jefferson. Maybe not at wide receiver, but they do at like edge or tackle or something like that. Every player ha- every team has a an Eric Kendricks like player. Um, maybe not at middle linebacker, but somewhere on the team. And and when you add it all up, the Vikings are just not a star studded team. They're a team that has some stars, but they're not. There's not a great roster. They have to improve just to probably stay the same. And when you look at what they're leaving. Xavier Woods played a lot of snaps last year. Patrick Peterson played a lot of snaps last year. Nick Vigil played a lot of snaps last year. Michael Pierce played a lot of snaps last year. Everson Griffin played a lot of snaps last year. Um, and Mackenzie Alexander played a lot of snaps last year. Uh, you know, so on the defensive side of the ball, like I think you can make an argument they have stayed the same, maybe a little bit better, but I think most Vikings fans are, believe that they've gotten a lot better. Miles, anything that you want to say that's like that's different from that, or do you want to pivot into like what you think needs to happen in order for maybe the Vikings to salvage this offseason from your perspective outside of just, hey, we signed a splash free agent? I mean, I think what I kind of mentioned before, they have to keep adding pieces. They're, now, I think this is their one quote unquote like big splash impact piece that they're going to be able to add. They don't have. Now that they they converted um, Gino Hunter's uh, bonus into a, a, a signing bonus and all that, they freed up some cap space. What they don't have that much more flexibility. Like yes, they can do Eric Kendricks. Yes, they can do Dalvin Cook. They shouldn't do those guys. Their their contracts though. Like they can't do everyone. And then as like the flexibility that they had next year, they had over like seventy million dollars in cap space for twenty twenty three. Well, they've already eaten into over half of that probably more. I know they can move on from guys next year and, and they might, who knows? Um, but more, more so they, they just need to add bodies because they don't have depth. We have to get depth, but they also still are missing starters. You're missing because they're shifting to a three, four, they're missing another defensive end. They're, they, they have their two outside linebackers. They have Harrison Phillips. They have Dalvin Tomlinson. They're probably missing another defensive end. Um, and then obviously like three cornerbacks, they probably need another depth. Uh, safety, like a, a veteran safety. They don't have to be expensive, but they need someone there to, to compete and be depth for, for Bynum and Smith. Um, offensive line, interior offensive line needs some help. They need someone to either back up or compete with Garrett Bradbury, and they need someone to either compete with or start over um, Wyatt Davis, Ole Udo at right guard. So, um, And then you can always use depth at tight end, and you can use depth at um, wide receiver. I mean, I just don't think those those are things you should should pass up. So um playmakers are always a big thing um so they need those things and the starters that we've seen the last two years haven't been great and all of the great players that we were we've talked about on this team are getting older now besides the justin jefferson besides the brian o'neill you know a few of those guys those young guys they're all getting into their 30s and you know the they're at the tail end of their careers and so the window like if you want to call it a window still it's now, so if – but the hard part for Quazy is he doesn't – he has to, like, walk this weird fine line of I want to go all in because that's kind of where I have to position myself. But I don't want to completely mortgage the future for right now because we know that we're not winning a championship this year. Like, I, like, I don't think anybody could be unrealistic and say this team's a Super Bowl contender. Like, they're not. They haven't done anything to show that, and that, like – but to be a playoff contender, I think that's a little bit of a different story. And I think 
Quazy's got to walk that line of how do we just make ourselves a, a playoff contender, like a, to actually be a playoff contender, not just a fringe. Consistently, maybe make the playoffs. Be consistently be a playoff contender. So um, he's got to walk that fine line. And so I think using whatever remaining remaining money they have, they got to find some value signings. Like they have to. Like they got to find some guys that they can get value out of. Can I ju- can I jump in just real quick, real quick? Because there's just a couple comments that are just like they're you're just right. too good. You're like right, I feel yeah. like I I, I I I like I, I need to. My man Dwayne like, over here, Dwayne, like my man Dwayne. Uh, we like to think that like our opinions mean something. Like let's just be real. Like we're some dudes talking on the internet. They don't. Like we if we had the power by just talking to make the Vikings win. Guess what? They would have won a long time ago because all of us want the Vikings to win. Mary asked earlier. What's our level of excitement? It's the off season. The level of excitement's always 10 before they start playing games. Like all of this is exciting. Talking about the possibilities, talking about the way the team can go, trying to understand, trying to learn. Like this is the exciting part of it all, right? Like just shutting off your brain and being like, Vikings did it, so it's good. I mean, if you want that, sure. But this probably isn't the pod. This probably isn't the YouTube channel. Like, this isn't the one for you. If that's all you're looking for, is so someone to say, oh, the Vikings did it, so it's great, find Paul Allen. This isn't that channel. Like, that's not what we there's do There's only here. one Paul Allen, by the way. You can't be him. Yeah, there's only one. Well, we and, can't and be him. We so, even like, we're going to try to talk about it and understand it. It was a good signing. I mean, I, like, this, once yeah. they decided to go with Kirk Cousins, once they decided to, to bring back Adam Thielen and, and Eric Hendricks and Dab- like once they decided to bring all those players back, Zadarius Smith was a good signing. Because like we can talk about that. Like he's a good player. If him and Daniel Hunter can stay healthy, they're gonna wreak havoc. They're gonna do good things for this team. But it's more than like it's not just about them. There is so much more to this team than just a couple really good players. Oh, and we do this every year. Like I, this is what I don't get. It's like we, we go yet. through this right, song right. and dance every single year. And and my my here's my th- here's what I'll say. In 2020, like right around when free agency started, and and they extended Kirk Cousins the first time, and you know Spielman said, "Hey, this is to this is so we can sign Michael Pierce," is what he said. Right. Right. Michael Pierce was previously the most expensive free agent signing in the Kirk Cousins era, three years, twenty-seven million. Zadarius Smith is now the most expensive Kirk signing in the Kirk Cousins era. But Spielman also said, and then he also talked about it in a in a um, interview just recently, where he also said, "Look, like Kirk, our goal is to make the playoffs every single year." And I think Kirk Cousins is actually not a terrible quarterback to have that goal with right like the goal is to play the goal is to play meaningful games in January and and that was part of what Spielman said as well is like you know ownership for this team they care about what the fans think and they care about what the media says and they they want to turn on an NFL network and see them being relevant that's why they gave Dalvin Cook the deal that's why they gave uh you know that's why they love having Justin Jefferson that's why they love you know that's why they love you know and they love being relevant. I think the issue, though, is to do so at because again, you can optimize for being the fifth seed in this NFC and and succeed while failing at trying to win a Super Bowl, right? Like I, I think people are we're all mature enough to see that, right? Like if you go all in on on making the playoffs in twenty twenty two, like that's fine, 
but your chances of probably winning a Super Bowl in the next 10 years are going to be a little bit lower if you do it a certain way. And that's, I think, where, where fans, some fans of the team want this team, a team, by the way, you know, everybody calls me negative, has been one of the best franchises in the NFL if you look at wins and losses since the 70s and has been basically a 500 team since the Wolves have owned it. They're not a bad franchise. But I think most fans are kind of growing tired of the 8-9s, and nines, the 9s and 8, the 8-8, eight and eight, the 10-6 and six and you don't really have a chance, the 6-10 and 10 and let's talk ourselves into three more wins, all that kind of stuff. Like, And again, I think a lot of fans win – you know, we don't want to see people get fired. You know, Spielman and 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 and, and uh, Zimmer. But if they were going to, I think that the hope for many fans was like, let's have an actual rebuild for the first time in many of our lifetimes. Right? That was the hope. And I think that instead of being negative, I think a lot of us are just looking at it and say, okay, well, this is not what we would have preferred. But let's try to let's see what they're trying to do here. Well, and, and to, to Mary's it. point, Mary's. Well, and Mary's talking about being excited about the future, and I have a hard time being excited about the future when they ran back, they're running back the same roster as what we've seen, and we've seen the outcome of that roster. And again, I think there's improvements, and I, the hope is that Quazy and Kevin O'Connell are, are good enough at their job to have a positive impact this year, and we just don't know that answer. And of course, the unknown is, is super, it can be really fun because Kevin O'Connell as an offensive coach, we haven't seen what he wants fully to do with this offense, with Kirk Cousins, with Justin Jefferson, with Dalvin Cook. I'm really excited to see what that's going to look like. But we can't also just say that that it's automatically going to be the, the the LA Rams. Like we can't just sit here and say it's going to be a carbon copy of what the LA Rams have been the last you know handful of years under Sean McVay either. Like we can't just say that. We don't fully know what we have is what we've seen from Kevin O'Connell, Washington what we've seen with him recently in, in LA, but we don't have those same players. And we also don't have the same amount of true talent, uh, top to bottom. And there is, there is a lot of talent on the team. I'm excited to see what they can do with it, but they ran back a lot of the same players as what we, as the old regime. So I'm not going to be like, Oh my gosh, the next two to three years are going to be super exciting because we know that they have X, Y, and Z. We just like, you're hoping that these aging players can still have that fountain of youth and can play at a high level and not get hurt and, and those things. And so, again, it's not not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to think about it as a broad perspective of where is this team currently and what do they look like heading into the season? You know, and again, there's a Darius Smith signing was a good one, but they still need more pieces. It's not just a one piece and we're ready to go. Just like going into the draft, I know, and a lot of people are like, Oh, it has to be a cornerback in the first round. They need more than that. Like it, they, it's not just one impact player. Like no matter what player they take in the first round, they need they need more than one impact player. And that's again goes back to the margin of error. That's very slim for this team. So they have to hit on a few guys, or hope that some of the previous players that they've drafted from last year and the year before can continue to accelerate and and ascend. And we just don't know that answer. So, Eric, question for you. Um, Thomas has, has said that, you know, we have a talented team trapped in a dinosaur system because of Mike Mike Zimmer. And so one of the big bets I think the Vikings are making, bringing in a young, fresh offensive uh, coordinator, bringing an offense, uh, 
modern offensive system to the Vikings is that, you know, the offensive side of the ball, it's more stable from year to year. Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. He can run a system. He's the person that if you have a great system, he's going to do what the system tells you to do. And I think that we could probably even have an argument that Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, um, you know, kick all that stuff off again. But you might be able to make an argument that, you know, Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford, who just won the Super Bowl with the Rams, which is something that I've seen come up very often, right? And so we may see the Vikings offense get better than it has been in, in, in recent years. The other side of that is the defense, though. And and Mike Zimmer, for all of his challenges, maybe running a full team, game management, one of the things that seems to be very consistent through Mike Zimmer's tenure with the Vikings is that he was able to squeeze a lot of talent out of out of that defense. He was able to manufacture stats and pressures with players who weren't particularly talented. So I'm interested in kind of what you think we might see in terms of how things go next season with maybe the offense getting better, where the defense might be. And like, if we are talking about the Vikings as a contending sort of team, like what should we need to see from those units in order for them to be a team that can make a little bit of noise versus just a team that maybe backs into the playoffs or something like that? Yeah, I, I look, I, I, w- I was not a huge fan of Zimmer at the end, but to expect that Donatel to be as good of a defensive play caller as him is going to be a stretch, right? Like, you know, I think we'll all look, and I, you know, Zimmer was a prick at the end. He was pretty bad at in-game stuff. Um, he alienated a lot of players. Uh, the Kellen Mond thing is probably one of the more abhorrent, uh, you know, sort of treatments of a, of a young player that we've seen. Didn't like to play rookies. Um, you know, there's a lot of bad about Zimmer, but Zimmer's defensive scheme was one of the better ones in football. Like, you know, we're two calendar years removed from him. I mean, his his defensive game plan against the Saints with Andrew Sandejo playing nickel and, you know, uh, you know, not a great team to begin with was a masterpiece. And so I think we have to level set and say, OK, Donatel is going to have to work with probably worse personnel. Right. We just talked about the secondary, as bad as it was last year, is going to be worse this year in all likelihood. Um, the linebacking core, uh, you know, Kendricks is a year older. Safety, their their best player on defense, probably maybe one of the best, maybe the best player on their team. Harrison Smith is a year older again, right? And Zimmer always used Harrison Smith in in optimal ways. Is Ed Donatel going to do that? Um, so I think that there are questions there. Donatel is going to have to be brilliant. Um, you know, I think to, well, to the, make play, this, the player, uh, the players, Eric. So I was just gonna say the players also have a brand new scheme to learn. Like a lot of these guys have yeah. run the same scheme for eight. Like most of these guys have been here 2012, 2013, 2015, you know, like these guys have been here for a long time and it's not that they won't be able to, to pick up on something new, but it is something new. And it's not just, it's not a different four, three, it's a three, four, where they're going to mix in some four, three fronts and, and those things, but it's yeah. a, it's a whole new scheme. It's a whole new like verbiage. That stuff can take, take time to implement and to understand and to kind of to process, especially yeah. when you've been, you've, you've known the same thing for so long. And so that's just an, another part of it that I would just caution about is like, there are going to be growing pains. Like there are, and that should be expected. I, I, 
that once they decided that they were bringing the band back, I said no excuses. But I also know there are going to be growing pains. Like there are, there has to be because they have everyone's new. Well, and I think and I think that that's like part of the issue. That's part of the reason why the guys like us don't like the run it back thing because you guys remember 2014, 2014. So the Vikings gave up 30 points a game in 2013. They were 32nd in the NFL, I believe, that year. I can't remember exactly. And that's rough. They come in. They 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 move on from Jared Allen. They go with Everson Griffin in his spot. They they put Xavier Rhodes in a premium position on that team. They they put uh, Harrison Smith. They they move him around. I thought the Leslie Frazier defense did a terrible job uh, of accentuating Harrison Smith. Um, Zimmer did a great job. But that 2014 team, there were bad games, right? There were there were growing pains, and they were and. I think every single one of us was encouraged by that season, even with those, and even with the seven and nine finish, and even with all that kind of stuff. And and so, by the way, Dwayne, I love you, Dwayne, but like you, you can't you can't say this guy sucked because we lost an NFC Championship game. That's not actually that's not actually how it works. But but anyway, um, getting rolled by Nick Foles was a privilege. But anyway, so. Um, <laughs> The, but like, so again, like that's part of the problem with running it back though, is all the stuff that Miles talked about, which is there, there are going to be growing pains this year. Right. And to, to, to the point is like, why didn't the Vikings make the playoffs last year's? They didn't make the playoffs last year's because they started slow. They started whatever, one in five in 2020. And they started one in three this year. And they weren't, weren't able, they were behind the eight ball the entire year. Right. Do we think they're going to come out of the gates blazing this year with the new defense that way? Like, I, I don't think so. And, you know, again, on offense, you know, I, I, I get the the I get the positivity surrounding, you know, O'Connell, but the Vikings offense for the last three years has been playing to accentuate Kirk's strengths, right? Like, play action on early downs, you know, uh, check downs every – like, the, the offense the last three years has been playing to get Kirk the highest passer rating possible. Right, like that. That like well, the, we, the offense no, is the worst, hard law the worst, in, in in a nutshell. Eric, the worst offensive corner they've had in the Kirk Cousins era last year, he still produced the best like PFF grade. The his like his best metrics from like an analytics standpoint of his career with the worst offensive corner that they've had in Clint Kubiak. And so I I always thought that was super funny that like people want to talk about like and we like I hate having to repeat myself. Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. Like, I think Kevin O'Connell is going to help Kirk Cousins. But, like, at what like, – yes. And, and so I just think it's funny that, like, Clint Kubiak, awful offensive coordinator, he still was able to help Kirk have his best career statistically. And Kirk then got another fully guaranteed two-year deal. Like, I don't know what people need. Jason, put, like, up, really put up Mateo's comment here. We This one, speaking of privileges. So – Okay, I'll I'll grant you that Zimmer didn't draft Xavier Rhodes, but Zimmer Xavier Rhodes was terrible at first, and then he was a a a, a Pro Bowl all pro, all pro corner. Trey Waynes, you can say what you want about Trey Waynes, but Trey Waynes got a fourteen million dollar like Trey Waynes got the exact same contract two years ago pre inflation that the Zadarius <laughs> Smith contract we're all slurping today he got that contract from the Bengals so he clearly doesn't 
because Zimmer clearly made him look good. Mackenzie Alexander, same thing. Mackenzie Alexander had some good years. He had he had the the corpse of Terrence Newman playing nickel corner in the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, Harrison Smith's obvious, Harrison Smith's going to make the Vikings Ring of Honor. He probably is a couple good years away from making the Hall of Fame in the NFL. Almost all of that was Zimmer. Uh, Anthony Harris earned a franchise tag from this team after being undrafted. Come on, we let's stop. Let's stop pretending that just because the Zimmer thing ended bad, that the guy sucked. Okay, he he ran yeah. his course. Yeah. At the end, he got a he got a bad. You know. They were they were all in, it was it was a bad marriage at the end, but it was a good it was a good love affair at the beginning. Let's be honest. Um, but the pro yeah, and here's the thing here's the thing with Cousins that no one is talking about. A he got worse as the season progressed last year. PFF grades, efficiency, you know, he like the guy's 34 years old. The other part of extending him is buying him at the literal very top of the market. That's the other issue with running it back here is that he played well enough so that he you could not get a that much relief from extending him. And you're probably buying the peak of his performance. Like almost everybody has some sort of peak and declines. We're talking about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's been kind of ass for the last couple of years. After his peak, right? The Falcons bought that peak. By the way, the Vikings. We don't. You know, we don't. The, we don't talk bad about Matt Ryan. But you know what? You guys know what I'm saying. Like, so the, the, the Kirk cheap, people want to think the Kirk's just going to get better. He's cheap and I, I, I yeah. do not. I'm selling that idea. Yeah. Uh, so, so Miles, one thing uh, Jason, Dwayne wants to talk about yeah. the offensive line. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like. I know people are getting are yelling at us about being negative. Well, let's spin this a little bit and talk about some of the positivity that this team does have because there are right there are like it isn't all negative, and I don't, I, I don't want it to feel that but way. We're not talking about the offensive way. line. We're not talking about the offensive line. Well, not not positively. Um, no, honestly, like I hey. the one thing I will say about the the one thing I will say about Kevin O'Connell um, is approach so far to the offensive line is. I don't think they're going to do anything too drastically different than the old regime. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I think one thing we need to allow the new regime to have is time to understand. Maybe it was a little bit of the coaching that was holding back the the current offensive line. That's not to say a guy like Garrett Bradbury is going to all of a sudden be an all pro level center, but maybe they feel there were some things that they were being taught that that could be tweaked or fixed that could fix a little bit of, of some of the issues that they had, not Bradbury all like specifically, but like in general across the offensive line, like maybe there is some uh, like Ezra Cleveland, maybe there's another level they can help coach Ezra Cleveland to, um, you know, Christian Darisaw's young, a guy that they can develop. Brian O'Neill's a really good player. So like there are pieces on the old offensive line that are solid. Now maybe there, maybe the coaching that was lacking before, maybe they can develop that a little bit more with the new coaching. And so maybe they see a guy like Garrett Bradbury, like a Brian Allen in LA, who mind you was really bad for the first few years of his career. And all of a sudden just played really well at a, uh, at, at a really good clip for the Rams last year and helped them on their offensive line, win the Super Bowl. And so I'm not saying Garrett Bradbury is going to get to that level, but maybe there is a little bit more that they can get out of Bradbury that the old regime couldn't. I, I would be, hes- I'm hesitant. And I said this a while back. I wouldn't be surprised if Garrett Bradbury is the starting center for the team in week one. And maybe they added, like, I know Ryan Bates is the one guy they talked about. Maybe they added a veteran depth player 
and then they add somebody in the draft, and that's kind of about it. Um, but I wouldn't expect uh, anything significant to come with the offensive line because I, I really do think that they want to get in here and get their hands on those guys. Go ahead, Aaron. Right, Eric. The Bradbury thing is also instructive. The Bradbury thing is also instructive, and here's why. The Vikings drafted him probably what? In, 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 at the time, we all thought, what, like 10, 15 picks too early, right? <laughs> now everybody's yelling at me. Now everybody's yelling at me for being positive. Okay. I know. The truth hurts. The truth hurts. Being the bearer of the truth, it, 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 uh, it, it's, it's, it's a lift. Um, Bradbury, Eric McCoy, and was yes, it Elton Jenkins were basically the same projection, and they went, what, 30 picks later? We all thought Bradbury was a little bit too highly picked. The and everybody and people will say, Oh, you're blaming Kirk for this pick. Well, okay, if you are a team that has has to build through the draft because your quarterback is paid is paid as much as Kirk is, right? You your draft picks are going to be needy that way, right? And so the problem with Garrett Bradbury isn't necessarily that he sucks, it's that the expectations were too high in some ways, right? Yeah. Like, just, interior offensive linemen in the NFL. The take the t- <laughs> yeah. just, you try interior to say offensive nice linemen in the NFL because- take forever to, take forever to yes. emerge, right? And so when you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins and you're still trying to compete, you are going to treat draft picks as though they're high-priced free agents meaning that they have to come in and compete because right they, away, right? They have to because they have to. And, no, and because so, they have to because you're margin for error. Yeah. Yeah. When 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 the Vikings drafted trends, what where did Trey Waynes go for the first two years? The bench. The bench. Because they had a, a rookie quarterback deal in, in Teddy. They had a defense that was full of players that they could buy because they had money. And – they could afford a luxury pick at the first pick. Now they got lucky and picks what yep. two through five all were pro bowlers, but that that's the difference, right? Like that the hard part about this team is we look at Questi Adolfamensa and he's not he might not be able to even make the optimal draft picks because they have to play right away. Like the guy who's picked in the first round for the Vikings this year is gonna have to play right away. Yep. And so you're you're probably gonna have to take a position that is a play right away position. Or you're going to take Jake. a player at a developmental position and force him to play right away. Yeah, Jake, I got asked. Jake, about we're the trying O-line. to talk about player development, bro. <laughs> well, and well, and that, and we and we talked about like we know we know Christian Darius. Like I think Christian Darius has a, a a bright future. Brian O'Neill's really good. I think Ezra Cleveland's a solid left guard. I think he played pretty decent last year. Hopefully, he can play a little bit better. Like you have two two spots left: right guard and center. The one guy, Garrett Bradbury, I mean, I tried to find a positive angle to take. That's it. They're not going to replace him. <laughs> They're not replacing <laughs> him. So, like, we got we to gotta deal with it. Like, that's kind of what it is, right? Like, we got we to gotta deal with it. But I think maybe he can be okay. Uh, people so are saying Eric, they trade Bradbury. Uh, I mean, what are they going to trade? I mean, you're Bradbury? not sure. Who is, who's going to trade? <laughs> All right, Who so gentlemen, as we're Bradbury. getting to the end of the show, we're getting to the end of the Bradley, show. Bradley, stop! It. I would like you both to let us know. And shout out to the man Matthew from Montreal. Montreal, excellent city. Everyone should visit it often. Uh, 
Vikings are on the clock. First round, Eric, who are you picking? I, so I was going to say before today, because I actually did not think that they were going to uh, take a, or they were going to get Smith. I would, and I'd still consider this if he fell to them at 12. Uh, George Karloftis of Purdue is is a defensive lineman, less than 21 years old, who I really like. Um, I don't think that that's going to be the pick. I think I, I, right now, and this would be the, the second highest drafted corner in the history of the Vikings, um, if, if Trent McDuffie or Ahmad Sauce Gardner fell to them, uh, I would certainly uh, entertain that. Derek Stingley, if he fell to them, I'd, I'd rush to the – I'd rush to the counter. I, Stingley was the most valuable non-quarterback in – or not – sorry, most valuable defensive player in college football in 2019. He's had injuries. I think he's going to fall. Um, so any of those three corners, uh, to me, I think would be a perfect pick for them. But, again, you have to come with expectations. You know, he – pick him, but also pick, like, three other guys at corner and, and let them duke it out. Miles. Are you going the same way? Like, it seems like we, we were going into this offseason really excited that we weren't going to know what the Vikings were going to do in the draft. And here we are where, now like, 95% of mock know. drafts have the Vikings picking a corner. <laughs> so are you going the same yeah. way or are you going in a different direction? I mean, I'm, the, I'm always the type, like, my whole goal for, I mean, I'm not the one making the decisions, but, like, the goal should always be going in the draft, not having major immediate needs. Not that you can't, Phil needs in the draft, but like it shouldn't be a glaring hole. You should have someone there that's a viable player that can fill the position so that you're not forcing yourself to take a specific player in the first or second round because you have to. And so my goal is always take the best player available and or trade back. Like if you can find that, great. Um I think with where this team is, <laughs> um, well, so one thing, Eric, you said this would be the highest cornerback taken. Uh Trey Williams was taken with the eleventh pick. Um, 11, so 11, the yeah, second yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, 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 if for some reason, Sauce Gardner fell, Stingley booth, like I'm cool with those guys. Um, I would also wide receiver. I think like if a, a Drake London, is it, that's his name, right? Yeah. It's not London Drake. I always forget. Mm-hmm. He's always got that. Garrett Wilson, um, Garrett Wilson, my number one wide receiver might be just, there when they pick. I was just going to say, if one of those top wide receivers is there, I wouldn't have, like, if you talk about wanting to find an impact player right away, that's the type of player you can draft and that can make an impact. Like, we saw it. I'm not going to compare the Vikings to the Bengals, but the kind of impact that um, we saw with uh, a Chase Young, uh, Chase Young, uh, um, uh, Jamar Chase last year with the Bengals. Like, how good an offensive playmaker can, can have an impact on your team right away, you can do that. and. This offense can fit another high-profile playmaker to it when they run more, you know, eleven personnel. They, you know, they they're not focused on on having. Uh, we'll see if how much uh, fullback plays, but like they in general, they make they play more wide receivers. And Adam Thielen's going to be thirty-two. You know, we don't know what his future is going to look like, how how well he's going to age over the next couple of years. And so they're all boom or bust, if we're being honest. Um, so we don't. We don't know how they're, these guys are going to age. Like an Adam Thielen's going to age. He's been hurt the last couple of years. He's exp- he's you know he's expensive. KJ Osborne's been solid. I don't think they have a true like true number two complementary player to 
Justin Jefferson long-term. Now, I'm not saying short-term. I think Adam Thielen's still a really good player. Um, but, like, long-term, they don't have that. And we talk about cutting margins with, with money. Why not do that? Because in a year or two, Justin Jefferson is going to cost you $30 million a year. Like, that dude's going to be really expensive. Why not find another guy that gives him a running mate that's super cheap? Like, and maybe it's not in the first round, but, like, I, I just don't think it should be off the table. Their their worst performances some of these years have been when Thielen has been hurt, right? Like, they mm-hmm. – the Rams' offense is a three-wide receiver offense, and much like the rest of the roster, they don't have depth behind the third wide – I mean, I think Osborne developing was a great development for them last year, but they need probably – and, like, Amir Smith-Marset might be that guy, right? Like, there, there's tons of players right. who can be that guy, but they – but. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Jamar Chase was the one player that could take the Bengals from being a four-win team to a 10-win team. And, you know, not all by himself, but he certainly presses that edge. And if Minnesota – like, look, the, the best draft pick in the history of the franchise took the Vikings from seven and nine – or sorry, nine and seven to 15 and one, right? Like, that, that's, right. The, that's the impact the wide receiver can have. And, and, you know, back then it was, you know, they had Jake Reed and Chris Carter, the first duo in the history of the NFL to do 4,000 yard or four 1,000 yard years in a row. Um, and they still went with Moss. Like the fact the Vikings have Jefferson right. and Thielen and Osborne not preclude them from taking uh, Garrett Wilson or Drake London's an interesting one for me. Um, Jamison Williams is another one. He won't be ready right away, but he, it, you know, he's super explosive. Um, you know, th- it's a good class. Yeah, I love it. Well, we've made it. And you know, we've done our job when like we've made everybody in the comments at least a little mad over the course of the show. So all y'all, as Eric always, catching stray, thanks Eric, for coming Eric in. catching strays left and right. <laughs> uh, we're going to have Body Steve blows. Klein versus Aaron, Eric uh, running to the podium. We might have to set up an Oklahoma drill to see who comes out on top there if Eric tries to run to the podium with the Stingley pick. Uh, I'm putting my money on Eric on that one. But all y'all, as always, thanks for coming through. Thanks for the participation. We love chopping it up with all of you every week. Uh, David, what do we got going on for the rest of the week? We have tomorrow night Vikings happy hour at Lake Monster Brewery. We're going to do a live Live test in preparation for Day two of the draft when we do our three-day draft extravaganza, and day two is at the brewery. So tomorrow night we're doing it at the brewery. Come out and join us. Join the show. You get some mic time, and we can discuss some of these arguments as to who uh, we should run up to the podium and get on day one. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, baby. (laughs) Oklahoma drill. Matt Lang may be up for that. Um, My head still hurts from the Oklahoma drill. (laughs) (laughs) And Thursday, since we had some amazing news today with the signing of the very uh, Zadarius Smith, we are having a Viking hot takes where Flip and his crummy internet, and he's hoping to get that better by then, and Eric Thompson will be joining. And then, of course, Saturday, you get me and Darren Campbell, two old bloggers. Awesome. There it is. That's it. Play the music, Dave. Great show, everybody. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. 
And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Let's go, everybody.